What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Becky Bernstein on our episode today. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. And Becky, I'm just going to throw it at you. Start wherever you'd like. All right, cool. Um, Well, thank you for having me. Um, So basically, I guess I'll start with my husband and I. So we met our freshman year of college, which was probably like 17 years ago. And um, I moved into his house just as a roommate when we were seniors. And we, six months later, we started dating, I guess you could call it. And um, yeah, we've been together for like 15 years, been married for going on seven. And we've just like pretty much been best friends and he's amazing. Um, so after we got married in was 2012, um, we i had passed my boards like the week before we got married and i got a new job and so we thought it was time to uh, you know start thinking about uh starting a family and so i have i had uh, not gotten my period for about it was probably like eight years at that point um all throughout like my childhood and high school i'd been really athletic and playing sports. I played everything, basketball, tennis, track, soccer, gymnastics, swimming, diving, like everything. And um, when I got into college and I wasn't playing sports, I started getting really into running and triathlons and like competitions, that kind of stuff. Um, And I just, I had been on the pill since I was 16 and I just never got my period. So when we, and I never thought it was an issue. I went to the, my GYN for my regular checkups and they're like, oh, it's just because you've been on the pill for a long time and you are a super athlete. I was like, okay, well, you know, it's easy, whatever. I, I didn't even think about it when, cause we weren't yeah. trying to conceive, you know? So, um, when we started trying to have a baby, it obviously became an issue. Um, so I went to my regular OBGYN and he ran a bunch of blood work and realized that my hormones were really low and they, you know, there was nothing they could really do for me. So they sent me to the reproductive endocrinologist and they run a bunch of tests and basically they, I was diagnosed with something called uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea. So it's, uh, it's from over exercising, under fueling, like not, you know, under eating, I guess. Um, and not having enough body fat to produce the period because what your body does is it basically shuts down your reproductive organs because that's not a necessary organ uh, to, you know, it, it protects your, it's whatever, it, it's like a, to protect your body, I guess. And um, mm-hmm. so. I actually have he, a friend who had that too. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And then, so I, I stopped, you know, I stopped running. I gained like 20 pounds and I still didn't get my period. And at that time I was going through all the RE stuff, like all the HSGs and, 
you know, all the tests that they do. And I'm, I was impatient at, at this point it had already been a year since we had like decided we wanted to start having, you know, trying to have a baby. So uh, we jumped right into doing injections. So, you know, with HA, with this hypothalamic amenorrhea, I'll just call it HA, you don't ovulate and you don't get a period. So basically I have to inject myself with it's FSH, it's just follicle stimulating hormone and LH, which is an injection called Menopure. And it um, basically grows your follicles. So okay. that was I first started that in January 2014. Um, so you guys basically spent a year trying to get to that point. To get to that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so I did the Menopure injections, and I like the doctor was super happy with my response. I triggered with a just trigger, and um, I got pregnant, uh, which is awesome. And we were really excited, and. So I actually didn't get my betas drawn until like 17 DPO because I went and visited my family. We live in Miami, so they were all in St. John's. So we just like took a quick flight over there and you know visited them for a little bit. And I came by, you know, I showed them my pregnancy test and they were, you know, really excited. And I had never even thought about miscarriage at that point. Um, it just had never crossed my mind. And I came back, I got my betas and everything was rising really well. Um, and then I went for my first ultrasound. And it's funny because my my good friend is the ultrasound tech at my my RE's office, <laughs> which is oh, interesting really? with the uh, with the <laughs> wand. <laughs> so she, uh, she, you know, they were doing the ultrasound and it's, you know, we could tell it wasn't looking right. Um, there was no gestational sac. There was no heartbeat. Um, it was, well, I was diagnosed with a blighted ovum, which I had no idea what that was at that point. Yeah. So I didn't even, it was just so odd looking. It was like really a weird looking sack. And so the, I didn't even have to come back for another scan. They're just like, this is not a viable pregnancy. And um, that night I, I, I was devastated, you know, and I basically I did the side attack, the, you know, the pills and uh, my best friend came over with a bottle of wine and we watched some trashy TV and just kind of. It was terrible. And I had to do the side attack twice because, uh, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it didn't all come out. So, yeah. so that was the first one. Um, and then after that, with my RE, I was doing uh, betas every week to uh, make sure that HCG was coming down. And I was ready to go. Like, you know, for me, I'm not, I'm not like a very emotional person. I don't, I don't want time to grieve. I just wanted to move on. I wanted another plan and like, let's move forward. So as soon as the beta was less than five, it was actually four. <laughs> and I was like, I started injections that day. And for the first cycle, I only did, I think, seven days of, of manicure, which is like normal. You do like seven to 10 days and that's normal. The second cycle, I did 23 days of injections. I was doing like IVF doses, like crazy. I could not grow Falco at all. Um, oh my goodness. It was terrible. Um, but after 23 days, I triggered, I had, so for injection cycles, they want your follicles to be at least like 18 millimeters. So I had an 18 and a 15. So I figured I had one follicle. So I triggered and a week later, I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, I thought that I was having like some sort of, I was like vomiting. I was like having severe abdominal pain. I thought I was having like some sort of ovarian torsion or something so my husband I was in excruciating pain so he took me to the ER 
and I guess from all the all the medications that I was on, I got it's a common side effect of IVF. I got ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, and I had a ruptured hemorrhagic cyst that was bleeding into my abdomen. So I had my blood, my, my abdomen was like full of blood, and there was so much blood in my abdomen that I was getting like chest pain because it was like hitting my diaphragm. Oh my and gosh! It was terrible, and, and I had my husband's. I had planned his thirtieth his 30th surprise party the next day I had like 50 people coming to my house oh no um <laughs> it was terrible so they're like you know we can admit you and we can drain all this fluid and whatever I was like no I'm like I'm good I'll, I'll handle it and uh and they also told me I wasn't pregnant which was awesome they, they did a pregnancy test and you're not, uh, you're not pregnant but your abdomen <laughs> is full of blood so. right awesome so all right I'm just gonna go home and uh so I went home and just kind of dealt with it and we had the party. And then a couple of days later, I got a positive pregnancy test. And so I was like a psycho after that. Like after my first miscarriage, I <laughs> have never been the same. It completely messed with my head. And so mm -hmm. I was doing like tests twice a day to make sure it was getting darker. And I did it all the way up until my first ultrasound. So I was like on 30 oh, yeah. DPO or something. Yep. Doing pregnancy I tests, like too. a cycle. I do that <laughs> like every single time. And yeah. um, so my betas were fine. Um, I went to my first ultrasound with my friend. You know, my friend was doing my ultrasound. And the doctor was there. And the baby's heart rate was 60. And so they told me that it wasn't a viable pregnancy. It was going to miscarry. They'd never seen a, a, a baby, you know, like with a heart rate less than 100 make it. So, you know, I was devastated again. But they're like, come back next week and, you know, we'll confirm it. And so I was like, I'm not waiting a week. Can I come back? You know, so I, I came back in like, I think four days. And lo and behold, the baby's heart rate was 130. And it just kept going up. and that's my son. <laughs> that's um, insane. I just crazy. got chills. Like, it was, all over and he my is body. like the biggest miracle. He is my, oh, he's such a little angel. Um, and he, the whole pregnancy was rough. He, you know, I was bleeding the whole time. I had a subchorionic hemorrhage. And, you know, so every, of course, after a miscarriage, like when you start bleeding, you're like, this is the end. Yeah. And I'm miscarrying. And I would like go to the ER. My OB wasn't open. And, it was terrible, but he ended up, he was breached. He was a C-section. He was tiny. He was like five pounds at like a, a full term. Um, and, but he's, he's such a beautiful little kid. And his first year of life was really not, he, he, uh, he, after like 11 days, he ended up in the NICU with a really bad kidney infection. He was septic. Um, he, the first like around four months he developed an oral and feeding aversion where he just refused he just wouldn't eat he was like failure to thrive and he, then he developed like a really horrible like vomiting issue and they were going to put a feeding tube in his stomach and do the surgery so he couldn't vomit anymore and that was when he was like eight months and I was like listen I'm I can't we had the appointment to do all that and I was like I just I can't do it and we kind of dealt with it and it was like the most stressful year of my life um he ended up growing out of it when he was about two. But during that, for some reason, we're like, let's have another baby. Like, it sounds like a great idea. And uh, so we started that. I went to my OB, and she said she would do three rounds of Clomid unmonitored, so no follicle checks or anything like that. Um, so I started Clomid when he was about I, – I also – so the other thing with AJA is when you, you – it's really takes a long time to cycle. So – 
I think I stopped. My son was, I was like trying to nurse him. He wouldn't take anything. I was pumping for like eight months and I was like, this is stupid. Like he's not, you know, it's just like a waste of time. So, uh, after I waited like two or three months and I still didn't get my period. So I started Clomid when he was about 10 months and on the second cycle I got pregnant and he, that one I could tell like, cause I was, you know, doing the test like a psycho and they weren't getting darker and I just knew something was wrong. And I ended up having a miscarriage around like five, five and a half weeks. Okay. Um, so I'm also, part, I'm also part of this, uh, HA group of this like wonderful women online and, um, they're like very supportive and we may or may not share fertility drugs with each other. So, um, <laughs> someone sent me some extra Clomid because, uh, I wasn't responding. Like I was responding at like super late. So the second, the third cycle, I doubled up the dose of Clomid and, um, and that was my daughter. So, you know, her pregnancy was pretty textbook. Um, and I had her, she was gigantic. I had a V-back with her. She was like eight pounds, 10 ounces. And wow. she was born, yeah, she was like twice the size of my son. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> of course, that was, that was the, the V-back, so that was fun. <laughs> um, so she was born in September 2016, so she's about to be three. Um, and so her, she was amazing, and she, I nursed her for like, 15 months still didn't get my period and um around and chad chad is my husband we had never really like sat down and be like we want this many kids and we're gonna have you know like we never had that yeah. discussion we're like we're just gonna see what happens and like if it feels right it feels right so um we took my we took the kids to london for um my husband's for, for my brother-in-law's wedding so when i was there i like <laughs> i traveled with my opks so, uh, you know, the ovulation uh, <laughs> sticks and, yeah. um, my daughter was like 15 months at that time and I got a positive for like the first time it, in my life. Uh, I got a positive on my own. So I kind of looked at my husband and was like, you want to do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he's like, you know, whatever. It wasn't the right time. You know, we were like, taking an apartment with his parents. So, um, <laughs> so after that, I, the next positive I got, it was like CD cycle day 44 and I got a positive. And so we decided to try that month and I got pregnant. So it was like the first natural conception that I've had. And it was really exciting. My betas were rising and, um, we, all the ultrasounds were perfect. And it was just amazing. And then when around 10 weeks for, for both of my other kids, I did the early, like the NIPT blood testing to test like for the most common chromosomal abnormalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also tells you the gender. So I decided to get that with this baby. And I, like an idiot, decided to, I was like going to plan this gender reveal, you know? So... I'm like waiting for them to call me and it's usually the nurse that calls me and I remember I was at work and the doctor gives me a call and I was like oh fuck I was like something's wrong and she said hey I just got your 
genetic testing back and there's something that's not normal and you know we need you to make an appointment with a high-risk OB to have a CVS done to uh, confirm the diagnosis so the baby had a chromosomal abnormality um, and she's like do you want me to tell you what it is I was like well I guess so you know so yeah. she's like it's a it's a girl so I was like okay I was just I was bawling I had to leave work um so I had the CVS done a CVS is a chorionic villi sampling it basically takes a piece of your placenta and it is a it's a uh diagnostic like a test okay. yeah it's like okay. yeah yeah, it's a diagnostic test that it will confirm the, the chromosomal abnormality. And I had that done a few days later, and it takes two weeks for the results. So uh, during those two weeks, we had happened to have like a family um, trip planned. Like for our, so my, my, I live in Miami, and my whole family lives in Ohio. And, and my sister in law's had a lot of um, infertility issues, miscarriages. Uh, she had a surrogate that was pregnant with twins and she actually got pregnant at the same time as her surrogate. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she basically, I call them triplets. I don't really know what else to call them. Yeah. Um, so those babies were all around eight months and so they were there. My oldest brother has kids. And so, you know, it's really good. You know, it's like a cousin trip basically, but it was like, I was in such a bad place, like waiting for these tests because I knew. You know, like my husband and I had talked about it and like, well, what are we going to do with these results, you know? And it's one of the hardest decisions that you'll ever make. And if you've never been in that position, you don't know what you would do. Because when we weren't in that position, we thought that we would decide something differently. And, yeah, you know, the fact that we had two kids to think about and, and bring a child in who I don't even know if it's going to make it for the rest of the pregnancy. I don't know what kind of life this, this child's going to have. Um, how many surgeries it's going to need, how, like, the quality of life it's going to, you know, she would have. Um, and, you know, it's a lot to think about. So, you know, we did say that we would terminate the pregnancy if, you know, everything, if, it, if the CVS came back confirming the diagnosis. So mm -hmm. um, the day that we got, I was actually driving to work and the, the, the high-risk OB called me and she's like, she, you know, she told me that, it was confirmed and you know we had extensive ultrasounds there's also other things on the ultrasound that showed that it's not going to be a good prognosis so um basically oh and I had gone to my OB to talk to her about all of this and I was I was so devastated I was like completely depressed I it was the worst time of my life having to yeah. you know a miscarriage is one thing and it's horrible and I've been through a lot of them and having to make this decision yourself is mm -hmm. I, I can't even describe it it's 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 horrendous um so I went to my OB just to talk to her about everything and she said listen like I actually was in this exact same position and I had the exact same diagnosis and we decided to terminate the pregnancy and she couldn't do the termination because she's affiliated with a religious hospital. Okay. Um, so she gave me the name of the doctor that she went to. So I ended up going to him and it was awful. I mean, I'm not gonna go into deal. Like basically I had, it's called a DNE. and e Yeah. It was in the, you know, it's in the second trimester. So they do an evacuation uh, of the baby. I was completely asleep, thank God. 
Um, but the, you know, I took maybe a week off of work. Um, and I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, so I work with babies and kids, and it's really hard to see all these pregnant women with their babies. And, you know, like, what, you know, you ask all these questions, and it's, it's really difficult. Um, and so we decided because I'm like, I need a plan, we need to move forward. Um, we decided that we were going to go ahead and go through IVF um, because we never want to, you know, we, we can test the embryos to see if they're genetically normal. We never want to be in this position ever again. So we decided to go through with IVF. Uh, I actually was going to a different RE at this point. So we had to go through all that testing again. Um, she did a miscarriage panel on me, uh, looking for, you know, factor laden five and all that stuff. And if <laughs> she found the opposite and she found I have something called von Willebrand's disease, which is a, like my blood doesn't clot well and I can okay. like hemorrhage and stuff. So she's like, before we do the egg retrieval, I need you to, to be cleared and be seen by a hematologist because if we stick, if we try and take your eggs out and you know, and we're putting a gigantic needle in your ovary and we can't stop the bleeding. You can lose your ovaries. So I went and, you know, made an appointment with a hematologist. He did a bunch of blood work. He confirmed that I have uh, von Willebrand's disease. And um, basically he's like, well, you've had a C-section, you've had a vaginal birth. Like, you know, you're, you seem to be all right. Um, you have a hemorrhage. So he's like, I can clear you for the IVF. So I start my stims, like, you know, I this is not covered at all by insurance. This is all out of pocket. Yeah, I was like, your it medical is, bills have yeah, got to be just insane. It is insane. So, you know, like we start, I start, you know, doing all these medications. I'm on like in the middle of my stims, you know, the injections. And I have an appointment with the hematologist and he decides he's going to change his mind. He's like, I don't feel comfortable with um, signing you off um, for the IVF. I was like, what do you mean? I'm in the middle of a cycle. And he said, yeah, I just don't feel comfortable. I was like, well, well what are we going to do? So I called my RE and it was like, I can't even tell you. It was like the worst situation. Uh, she's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to do it. And she's like, if you want to do this, we have to do this in the hospital setting. You have to pay for your OR. You have, everything was out of pocket. So basically paying for a surgery, it was like going to be $15,000 more to have it in the hospital. I was like, I can't, oh I can't, I can't do that. So this guy, it's like a very long story. I'm not really going to get into it, but basically uh, a lot of stress. And I, he said that I had to respond to this nasal spray medication um, that's supposed to make my blood clot and only 80% of people do. And it was like the day before my retrieval that we got the blood work back. And I was like, forget it. I'm going to keep doing my stims and hope for the best. And I ended up responding and she was okay to do the retrieval in the outpatient center. And so anyway, I had 11 follicles retrieved and, or eggs retrieved and which wasn't great. It wasn't, wasn't horrible, but, um, all 11, I, they called me the next day, all 11 fertilized which was great. And then they called me on day five that we only had two um, that were able to make it for the genetic testing, which is not good when you're doing genetic testing because only one fourth of them will come back normal. Okay. So I think we had to wait like a month or something for those results. And 
So we get the results in a month. And I remember I had just picked my kids up from school and they called me. I've been waiting for these results. And she says, okay, we have one abnormal one and one normal one. She said, you have one normal boy. I was like, all right, that's our baby, you know? Mm-hmm. So we do the whole frozen transfer. It's like another two months, like these gigantic progesterone oil shots that were <laughs> horrendous. Uh, anyway, we do that and we transferred and lo and behold, I am pregnant again. So this is number one, two, this is number four, I think five. Um, this is number five. And, uh, so my beta, my, all my tests are looking amazing. My betas are going up. And then I remember it was my daughter's birthday. And I, of course, like a psycho, I'm doing my tests and it was like lighter. And I was like, oh, fuck, not again. And like, this is our only embryo, you know? And, you know, all my friends are like, it's nothing. Like your beta is probably just so high. It's starting to get lighter. I was like, guys, I, I just, I know this is not right. I go in, my, my last beta had been 287, and this one only like four days later was 80. I was like, all right, well, that's that. Uh, all that money, all that time, you know, all that. It's a very emotional process to go through all that. Uh, just done. Um, and so we had no more embryos. I was super done with IVF after that. Um, it was expe- you, know, you can't really afford more than one cycle yeah um so we go she's I said okay well what do we do now and she says well wait for your next period I was like I don't get my period <laughs> you know so I was like whatever I was like so done with the with the, the RU and everything so I just kind of left and I had my backup uh, fertility meds so I started my own cycle of Samara which is like Clomid and uh I was doing my open because I wasn't ovulating. I was like CD. It was like super late. So I like made an appointment with my RE and I had a gigantic follicle. It was like 28 millimeters that I just couldn't ovulate. And so they sent me a trigger. I triggered and lo and behold, I was pregnant again. So I do my betas. They're looking really good. We go for the first ultrasound. We have a heartbeat. Um, although it was measuring a few days behind uh, which I know is not normal. And I, of course, was worried about it. I was like, all right, well, let's come back next week. Same thing. I come back next week. The heart rate is actually higher. It was like 128. And the baby was lagging more behind. So I was lagging behind, like, I think five days at this point. And that was like seven weeks. I go back the next week, almost eight weeks. And it's lagging now a week behind. It still has a good heartbeat. And then she pulls the wand out of me and it just has blood all over it. And I was like, oh, no, it's starting, you know? So I go to work. I end up starting to miscarry at work. Um, and then two days later, it just was like massacre. Um, and then I go to the RE and my whole uterus is just completely empty. Like nothing is there anymore. Um, like after two days, like the baby just had a heartbeat. And now there's literally nothing, not even a sap in my uterus. So... Um, you know, I miscarried and we were, I was just kind of doing betas on my own, like doing the HCG, like the little cheap one test, tests, mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure it was getting lighter. And so that was last December, December, 2018. Uh, so then starting January, I did, I went back to the 
freaking already, <laughs> I was like, we're doing this. Like at this point, I'm so set. Like I am like, <laughs> well, you know, like, like I was so on a invested. Yeah. And we've been so close and I just didn't feel, I, I'm so blessed with my two kids. Like I get, like, I am very, very blessed with my two kids, but there was just something like, I just felt like there was yeah. something like, like, you know, it wasn't complete yet. If your heart is um, set on had, more, then your heart is yeah, set on more. And yeah. we had been so close so many times. Um, so I go back, I do like injection cycles, oral cycles. I think I did three more. And then in March, I got pregnant again. So this is pregnancy number eight. Um, and I had another early miscarriage. My, my number, you know, my, my numbers weren't doubling and my tests were getting lighter and I miscarried around, I think it was like five, five and a half weeks. Um, and which brings us to, oh, so also I had found out, like I had been seeing the IVF, like nutritionist lifestyle person. They did like a whole blood panel. I know you had talked about the MTHFR. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I was like, I have like something has either I have really shitty eggs, you know, and they just are not like these just babies are not normal and I'm miscarrying or there's something else going on. And, you know, I came back that I had the MTHFR. This was in the beginning of April. And so I started on, I changed off the folic acid and I started taking the methylfolate and um, all these cycles I'd always done progesterone since like five years ago. Uh, and I started baby aspirin in, I think this year, I think around when I was doing IVF. And I'd also read this book. I don't know if you've heard of the book. It starts with the egg. Um, it's like a book about miscarriage. I have and heard of it. Yeah, I've never like read it. Like egg quality. It's really good. So in December, after that, was that number? My sixth miscarriage, I think, or fifth miscarriage. Um, I I started making all these changes. So I started taking all these supplements and like changing my diet, like to more organic stuff. I was just trying anything. I changed like all, I went crazy in my kitchen cause like now BPA is the devil. So I like took out all my plastic and I changed it for glass stuff, for glass containers. And I changed all my products to like paraben free, like all my sunscreen and my shampoo and like lotions and stuff. Um, and so I don't really know what changed, but anyway, so this last cycle in April, I, uh, it was the first cycle that I started doing Clomid again and I never had an issue with lining with my lining and Clomid. Um, they say that it thins the lining. Um, mm -hmm. so my doctor started me on the estrogen patch at the same time she started me on the Clomid and it was the first time I was like, okay, I'm trusting you. I usually research the shit out of everything before I like start a protocol, but I was like, I'm trusting you, whatever. And, uh, I go for my follicle check at like CD 12 and, uh, I have nothing. I have no follicles at all. And then I start reading and I was like, so I guess the point of, of Clomid is to suppress your estrogen. So you, so you, uh, release more follicle stimulating hormone and that like recruits your follicles. So if you're putting a, a estrogen patch on you, you know, it's like contrary, you know, it's like, uh, it's like doing the opposite of what it should. So I, I was like, I kind of got into an argument with her. I was like, you know, listen, all the protocols say to start this estrogen patch after the Clomid. Um, it was like contraindicating, you know? So she's like, no, like I'm right, whatever. So I was like, whatever. So I like, took my patch off and I did my own, it's called a piggyback cycle. 
So you basically, if you're not ovulating, you're not having any follicles, you take five more days of Clomid. Okay. So I did that just kind of on my own. And <laughs> Who I needs back. doctors when you've been through all this, <laughs> For real, <right? laughs> you know? I was like, let's do this. So anyway, I like, I did, I took five more days of Clomid and I went in for my follicle check and I had, so for oral cycles, they, a mature follicle is usually around 20, maybe 22 millimeters. Um, it's bigger. They have, they're, for some reason, they're, when you do inje- injections, they're more mature when they're smaller. And with oral medications, they're more mature when they're larger. And with your natural cycles, it can be like 30. So, um, so I, had a, I had a 21, an 18, and a 13. Right. So I was like, maybe I have two follicles. So I triggered and I got pregnant again. This is pregnancy number nine. This is currently happening. So, um, I got pregnant. I, my betas were out of control. Like they were literally 10 times higher than they were with my son, like 21 DPO with my son, my level was 1300. And with this pregnancy, it was 14,000. So it was like, I was something was, I I was freaking out that I had a molar pregnancy. And of course I'm thinking the worst and like your betas are super high with molars. So, you know, I was like, I need a, I need an ultrasound. (laughs) So we went in at five weeks, two days and she puts a little wand in and she goes to the first, well, now that we know there's more than one sack there, she goes to sack A and it has a normal looking gestational sac. Um, and then she goes to sac B and there's like an abnormal looking thing in there. They're like, that one's probably not going to make it. And then they go to what they thought was a subchorionic hemorrhage, like a bleed. And then they go to this quote, third empty sac, which they called a blighted ovum. I was like, all right, well, we have one maybe baby in there. So go next week at six weeks, two days. <laughs> this is the day before my 35th birthday. Um, <clears throat> so they put it in and we go to sack A and there is a baby. It has a heartbeat. Um, it's measuring normal. I start crying. I am like so happy. And she's like, all right, well, let me you know, look around. And uh, she goes to sack B. And there's a heartbeat and it's measuring normally. It's like, oh my God, twins, this is amazing. <clears throat> and then I said, well, what the fuck is that flickering there? And there was another baby and it was measuring normal. And I was like, okay, all right, well, there's certainly not going to be anything in that third empty sack. And like the words that were flying out of my mouth, I just, I feel so bad. My Ari is so sweet. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> like I couldn't even like control myself so there was a fourth baby with another with a heartbeat measuring they're all completely measuring normally um my husband like didn't even know what to say he was just like making super inappropriate jokes and like he it was it was quite a day so and my husband is he's like he's a musician and he he has like he has a nonprofit for kids to get them off this like at risk kids to get them off the street and he teaches them music and he has like it's like a mentor program and he's like very like the most compassionate person ever he's incredible and he said I was obviously freaking out I was like oh my god pods like oh shit um you know six kids 
you know and, <laughs> and he's like you know what it's just more love to give like we have so much love <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> like all right I guess I guess we're doing this so at that appointment my doctor basically she's like I've never seen this in 25 years of practice uh, I'm really sorry that this happened I was like well why are you what do you mean why are you sorry she's like this is extremely high risk um you know like these babies she, she didn't get into much detail but she did talk about fetal reduction which I had never even heard of I didn't know what that was I definitely wasn't doing it um and I just kind of left so I came back the next week expecting like you know one of the babies obviously wasn't gonna make it I've had so many miscarriages and there they were all measuring perfect all having heartbeats and um so I started seeing, I started just like researching a lot. I went to meet with I think about four or five MFMs, so high risk OBs down here in Miami. And each one of them said, this is an extremely high risk pregnancy. You have a 25% chance of losing all four of these babies if you keep them before viability, which is 24 weeks, which is a pretty significant number. And they said, um, not, not to mention you might lose them all. Um, you know, they could be born like micro preemies and they could all have like severe developmental issues. Um, you know, if they're born at say 24 weeks and they have brain bleeds and they have CP and they just went through all these things that had not crossed my mind at all. And they said, not to mention your health. Um, you have a 60% chance of, I have four placentas. So all of the placentas secrete this hormone that puts you at, four times the risk. So 60% chance of having gestational diabetes, hypertension, preeclampsia, help, <clears throat> help syndrome. Um, so, and then they said also not to mention you have von Willebrand's disease. So on a normal pregnancy, you have a chance of hemorrhaging. And with this quad pregnancy, your uterus is so stretched out that usually after birth, your uterus will clamp back down and stop the bleeding. And they said, when it's so stretched out, you, have a really large chance of hemorrhaging and not to mention you have this bleeding disorder. So you can hemorrhage out and go into it's called DIC and basically die. So, uh, even, even after hearing all this, I said, no, we're not doing this. Like they all are looking good and we have been through so much and I can't do this again. I cannot terminate another pregnancy because that was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst year of my life after that mm -hmm. I, I still have so much guilt and so much it was it was awful so um i went to new york to meet with like two specialists there um who specialize in quads i also met with or i had a phone consult with this guy he's called this is a doctor who's called the quad god and he is in arizona he said the same things um you know the same risk and so I went up to New York. This was three weeks ago. I had the CVS done on all of them. So I had a, the quad CVS. There's four different gigantic needles like in my stomach, taking pieces of the placenta. Um, so I got the results back. And I was like, I was so astounded when they were all normal. Like they're all normal. They're also all girls, all four of them. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, none of them are identical. <laughs> like, it's just the, I don't know. The, the, so they said the likelihood of getting pregnant with quads is one in 800,000 or something. And I don't even know the odds of like having them all be girls. So, uh, you know, at that point, you know, I think my husband's biggest concern and, you know, mine, I, I don't want to die. You know, that's one thing. I have two kids. Um, and 
leaving my husband with six kids, you know, uh, is one thing, but he said, you know, we have two kids. And even if one of these babies has some sort of like some sort of developmental issue or, um, like CP or anything, like we both work full time. I can't lose my job. Like, how are we going to do this? Um, so, you know, uh, we ended up making the decision that we were going to do this took me a very long time like we literally just decided this last week um i went to new york again on monday and we had the fetal reduction um and we reduced the pregnancy to to two so right now i'm pregnant with twins uh they seem to be doing fine they're measuring well they both have also i'm sure i don't know if you have a doppler when you're pregnant oh yeah Yep, I'm like a psycho with my Doppler, and I like use it twice a day, and you know, making sure they're still sounding, like they still have heartbeats, and you know, I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable with this pregnancy, and uh, it's just part of going through all the, all the shit, like all the yeah. losses and all the you know the miscarriages and all the infertility stuff, and it does a number on you. It really does. Yeah. How so did that's this, the story. Yeah. How did this reduction compare to, you know, it honestly, the, the, it was not, I don't want to say not as bad, but the, the, re, the termination was like a, a, the biggest mindfuck I have ever, like, yeah. I'm, I still, I still really struggle with that. Um, like really a lot. Uh, this yeah, was, wasn't, there's no one on the line with this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. Uh, um, you know, I, I never thought like we would be having to make this decision again, like ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, you know, we've lost now eight babies. Um, yeah. And it's really hard to wrap my head around. Um, and I just hope that, you know, like, of course, I have all this fear that, like, well, what if the two that we reduced, like, we're normal and the ones that we have now are not, you know, like it, I just, there's so many things that run through my, my head. Mind, my mind would be in the same place. So like, I won't, I have my anatomy scan in like a month. So okay. I think after that I'll feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's at this point, like, you know, people keep telling me there's nothing you can do. You know, there, you just have to hope, pray, whatever, uh, that everything's okay. Cause there's literally nothing you can do right now. And I'm part yeah. of this terminations group where you see like the worst shit ever, like at the anatomy scans, like all the fatal heart defects and brain defects. And like, and I'm like, of course I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be that person again. And we're going to lose another baby. You know, like it's just such, such crazy. Yeah. So girl, yeah. your story, your story it's, is insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. I still can't believe that we've, <laughs> through all this (laughs) but here we are you know I know I know you have two babies in there yeah so exciting yeah yeah. and my kids are super excited and that's the other thing like trying to like get all through like through this with my kids you know like oh yeah it's hard and my son is like such an old like he's like 80 years old like he's such an old man and he understands everything and he's only four he's four and a half now and he he gets it he's like you know i he knew that i was pregnant last year with this baby girl and you know i was starting to like move their beds around and like i was gonna move 
whatever. I was like, I got him a new bed. I was going to move my daughter in with him and give the baby the nursery. And, you know, it was like exciting. And when we were going through all this, you know, he was three at the time and like, he, he got it. Like he's, I said, listen, buddy, like the baby's sick and she died and she, you know, like we don't really talk about heaven or anything like that, but he got it. And he's like, I'm sorry, mommy. And he just gave me a huge hug and he's like, it's okay to cry. You know, Oh, <laughs> he's, he's just really sweet. And the same thing this time, you knew there were four babies in my tummy. And, you know, I said, it's not safe for mommy to have all these babies in my tummy. And, you know, and I was, I've been honest with him this whole time about all this fertility stuff. Cause I would be at the doctor's literally, I don't know, three times a week for the last year and a half. So yeah, it's like, like what listen, buddy, like, tell him? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want him to think I'm sick, you know, it's yeah, like, I'm not exactly. sick. Like, don't worry. Like, you know, we're just trying to get a baby in my tummy. And now he's like super fucked. Like he thinks that babies like he goes to the doctor, he's going to get a baby in his tummy. So I don't know how I'm going to explain <laughs> that. <laughs> so yeah goodness well thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story now if you you had a piece of advice for um yeah I was gonna say somebody in a similar situation but I don't I hope no one's ever in this situation (laughs) um no basically uh I would say like everyone grieves differently for me I'm not like for me I need a game plan I need to move forward I need the next steps and I need to put everything in place what are we going to change what are we going to do how is this going to be different Mm -hmm. but also at the same time if you need the time to grieve if you need to take a couple months off if you just can't go through another cycle then don't like don't push yourself don't don't go through anything that you're not ready to go through you know yeah so it's I'm just with, yeah. different grieving processes and mm-hmm. and, and also plans. advocate for yourself and if you have side drugs I'm not saying do it <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but advocate for yourself and uh you know if you have questions if you have concerns you know voice them and it's important it's your we body not, we are not advocating for side drugs <laughs> Not wait, at wait, all. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the first time I've sort of told that whole story from start to finish, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, so appreciate it. If somebody wanted to yeah. reach out to you, Becky, where could they do so? Yeah, uh, I just I made an Instagram uh, for this pregnancy. It's called the Bernstein Brood. So. I don't know how it's like the underscore Bernstein underscore brood B-R-O-D. Awesome. Um, Yeah. I'll link that in the description. Like always, thank you so much. All right, cool. Yeah, thank you, Shelly. I really appreciate you having this podcast. It was great to listen to it. It sounds bad to other people's stories, but it's comforting (laughs) at the same time, you know? (laughs) It totally is. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.